you may be wondering, where's my miracle? Well, you may be in the process of providence and the miracle might be coming. And it's trusting in the providence of God over your life and in and through the details of your life that puts you in a position that when it's time for the miracle, you're in the right place at the right time to receive the miracle. Why do we ever doubt God? We just see over and over, He is working in and through everything. And I think in our marriages, when we get desperate, we try and grab the reins and think, oh, God must not be paying attention right now, so I'll just... You know, I'll take the reins for a little bit. Somebody needs to be in control, I nominate mm -hmm. me. Mm -hmm. If the husband is in control, it's a disaster. If the wife is in control, it's a disaster. If the husband and wife trust that God is in control, it can be beautiful. Well, howdy, Mark and Grace Driscoll here. Welcome back to the Real Marriage Podcast. We love you, we're here to help, and we're in the book of Ruth. Beautiful little Old Testament story. One of the greatest short stories written in the history of the world. Many literary critics and experts agree. And uh, what we want to talk about today is God's providence. We want to take this big nerd theological ideology and practically show how this is the key to life and marriage. So the story is there's this believing family, famine hits, God's judgment hits, they move to a godless nation called Moab, the husband dies, the two sons die, there are three widows, one stays back, her name is Orpah, Ruth, the daughter-in-law, follows Naomi, the, uh, the mother, and she follows her back to Bethlehem, where Jesus is from, and God's people are to be found. Over all of the story is God. If you just read the story of Ruth, you're going to see disobedient believers, naughty, nasty unbelievers, death, funerals, infertility, childlessness, homelessness, poverty, devastation, zero chance of a happily ever after. Over it all, there is a God. Amen. Amen. Okay, so you just jumped <laughs> right in there. Why do you say Amen. Because I believe that too. I mean, I've seen that in our life over and over. I see that in people's lives all throughout ministry. And providence to me means stop, knock it off, stop freaking out. God's still in control, even if it doesn't look like it. So you are faith girl. <laughs> and sometimes I'm freak out guy. And yes. so I'll get very nervous and anxious. And you just... <laughs> You just say, hey, you need to trust the Lord. You are a Bible teacher. There's yeah. verses that say he's in control. Yeah. Just shut up and go to bed. <laughs> I mean, you say it a lot nicer than that because your name's Grace. I usually say, hey, babe, let's pray through this. I'm sure, you know, God has us here. So let's pray through and figure out what we need to do to to do what he's asking. Well, and even recently, some good things happen. You're like, okay, now good things are happening. Remember this for the future so that you remember that God... <laughs> <laughs> when the bad times come, yeah. you literally like, hey, go write this down so that when you go to freak out next time, you remember today where he showed up and delivered us. Yeah. What emotional difference does it make to actually practically daily believe that there is a God over your life? I think it makes all the difference in how you live your life. It's it's the basis for how we all need to live our life. If we don't believe God's in control, then we think we need to fix everything or we think we can fix everything. Our pride steps in and thinks, oh, well, I guess God doesn't have this. So let me just figure this out for myself and I'll, 
you know, make it all better. In fact, we usually make it worse. So So do you think control freaks have a God complex? Somebody needs to be in charge. I nominate me. Absolutely. Okay. So don't be too honest, but be a little <laughs> honest. How much is that sometimes your husband? <laughs> well, you're a planner and a visionary, so that can definitely slip in there. <laughs> <laughs> That's a very sweet way of saying it. This is why we made it 28 years. Um, and so let, let me just theologically, because I'm, I'm your Bible nerd friend, uh, for those of you who join us on the podcast, when we're talking about providence, we're talking about two attributes of God together, his sovereignty and his goodness. If you believe that God is good, but he's not sovereign, he can sympathize and empathize, but he can't really fix the mess because he's not in charge. If he's sovereign, but he's not really good, he's authoritative and he's dictatorial, but he's not very kind, loving, and helpful. So, yeah, did you, how did you feel when you first became a Christian? When about I first God? became, okay, how honest should I be in the, how real should I, I be? I would use a nice term instead <laughs> of what you used to use. Okay, this is getting Otherwise real you'll have to be bleeped in the out. Real Marriage <laughs> Podcast. So I can't, we would have this debate and I would say, I know there's a God, I know he's powerful, I know he's in charge, I just think he's an a-hole. Yeah, I, you should have said a jerk. <laughs> okay, um, but I didn't. <laughs> so there you go. So that's what I thought. So, and I would go crazy because I knew that wasn't <laughs> true. <laughs> Yeah. And so I just kept praying after I would confront that that wasn't true. I would just keep praying that God would show himself to you as a loving father. See, my view of God early on was more like a Muslim view of God. Mm-hmm. Sovereign, but not good. Mm-hmm. And there is, uh, so there is even, we'll get way down the nerd path. The Arminians tend to emphasize God's goodness and the Calvinists tend to emphasize God's sovereignty. And if you don't emphasize both, you end up with a weak, kind, loving, unhelpful God, or you end up with a cruel, dictatorial, domineering, overbearing God. And God is good, loving, helpful, and sovereign, powerful in authority. Both are simultaneously true, which is why now that I am more mature, (laughs) um, I see God as Father. And the whole concept of Father to me is that He is both sovereign and good. He's powerful for you, not against you. His authority is to protect you and to, and to bless you, not to harm you or to punish you. And so for me, you know, Jesus' favorite term for God over and over and over is Father. Um, Fifteen times in the Old Testament, God's referred to as Father, usually nationally, not personally. Jesus comes 60, 70 times. He refers to God as Father. It's his number one title for God. He revolutionizes world history. He's the first major world leader, religiously, spiritually speaking, to refer to God as Father. And to me, that unlocks the entire mystery of God's goodness and sovereignty. Mm. He's a father. A father is sovereign. He's in charge. And he should be good for you, not against you. So what we see in the story of Ruth and Boaz is that it is the father who is sovereign over Boaz and the father who is sovereign over Ruth. Ruth, as a new believer, becomes a really good daughter of her heavenly father. Boaz is a very good son of his heavenly father, which is what sets their lives up to have a great marriage and an amazing legacy. So on this, uh, just to give you the the background theologically, and then we'll get into it practically. When we're talking about 
God as Father, we're talking about his two hands. The one hand is the hand of authority or sovereignty. The other is the hand of goodness or love. And sometimes God works through miracles. These are supernatural occurrences where God shows up unbelievably. Okay, this is a bit of a trick question for you, best friend. Is there any miracle, supernatural, powerful miracle in the book of Ruth? Not necessarily. No, that was a very guarded answer. Good job. (laughs) (laughs) No, there's no miracle. There's no burning bush. There's no dead person raised. There's no walking on water. There's no miracle in Ruth. And sometimes God works through his visible hand of miracle. Oftentimes God works through his invisible hand of providence. And so as you read the book of Ruth, God's invisible hand of providence is at work continually, but he never shows his visible hand of miracle. Many of you who are listening to the podcast, you don't think God's in your life because you've not seen a miracle. You're like, I don't think God's in my life. I don't think he shows up. I don't think he's active. I've not seen the visible hand of miracle, but you need to be looking for the invisible hand of providence. These are the two hands of God at work in your life. There are occasions in the book where God's invisible hand of providence is clearly at work. I'll give you one in chapter two, uh, the book of Ruth. It says, she happened to come to the part of the field belonging to Boaz, who was of the clan of Elimelech. Well, Elimelech was her father-in-law, and then her husband died, and now she's a widow, and she goes from Moab 50 miles to Bethlehem. She's homeless. She's unemployed. She's hungry. She's starving. She's literally looking for a field to glean in. This is the equivalent of the Hebrew food bank. And of everything she picks, who does she get? Boaz, her distant relative. Her distant relative who can actually redeem her and marry her. And he happens to be very, very generous and love God and happens to be single and treats women with dignity and respect. So when it says she happened literally in the Hebrew, it's a gag line. It's it's a it's a comedic joke. It's God saying, isn't this hilarious? Mm-hmm. Let me ask you this, babe. What are some of the ways that you have seen God's invisible hand of providence in your life as a woman and also maybe as a married woman? This is where Ruth sees God's invisible hand of providence, right place, right time, right day. It just so happened. What a coincidence. Well, I mean, we met... In high school, we just so happened to go to the same high school. We just so happened to be in the same city. Um, you know, your best friend or one of your best friends just, just so, so happened. happened to sit next to me in class yeah. and introduce us. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I just so happened to have a locker next to you. <laughs> <laughs> um, I mean, there's a lot of those in our life. And then, um, you know, God rescued you and saved you and then... I went to your college and we, you know, God unified us. There was a lot of miracles in how he did that. Um, But even the church that he just so happened to put us in set you up to be an incredible Bible teacher because that pastor focused on going through books of the Bible and understanding the Bible. Well, and you came back to the Lord and I came to know the Lord. Yep. It just so happened at the exact same time when we were separated by like 300 miles. So I called you and I was like, uh, I became a Christian. You're like, I've come back to Christ and I'm reading my Bible and praying. We're 300 miles apart. Mm -hmm. And it just so happens that we get locked in walking with Jesus at the exact same time. Yeah. Yeah. It's not, it's not luck. (laughs) It's not just so happened. It's God's providence. He, he cared for each of us and had a plan for our future and he 
inserted himself in ways that allowed the just so happens to come along. And, and here we are. And, and we get to witness God's hand um, of providence over and over and the places he's put us um, in different things in our kids' lives, um, the people that he puts in our lives, incredible. I mean, if we aren't looking, um, then we're choosing blindness to God's work in our lives. And I think- How about more recent years? So they had a tragedy hit and they moved their whole family and then tragedy hit again and then they moved back to Bethlehem. I mean, in recent years, we stepped out on a massive faith journey. Five kids, transition, move to a new city, try and plant a new church in mid-40s, no clue what's going to happen, no miracle. I mean, we didn't get a burning bush. We, I mean, God spoke to us, released us at the beginning audibly, but I mean, along the way, I mean, it was God's providence that really provided. Maybe share with them, even in more recent years, how where we're at as a married couple with five kids, um, one married um, the others, daughter, yeah. yeah, heading in that direction, how God's providence has showed up even in recent years in our life. Well, we started out in a place in Arizona because we didn't know exactly where we were going to end up and where God was going to place us. Um, so we started out in a community and couldn't get in schools. And so God just so happened to place the name of a school in front of us that had openings. He opened those doors because every other school was waitlisted. That put us um, into a place where we were, you know, a city we knew we needed to live closer to the school. Um, I mean, it kind of just so happened that we, that God brought people into our life along the way um, with Pastor Jimmy and Pastor Robert and and this is why we're doing the podcast today because he brought them into our life. So it just so happened that I was at a pastor's conference at Gateway with Pastor Robert Morris and Pastor Jimmy Evans, two of our founding overseers at our church plant in Scottsdale. Before Jimmy Evans gets up to speak, it just so happens that God gives him a prophetic word for me. I don't know Pastor Jimmy, who is the head of marriage today. Mm -hmm. I, don't, I don't know him. So we kind of meet when he gets up and gives a prophetic word in front of 5,000 people on one of the worst days of my whole life. And since that time, he's become a pastor to us and a spiritual father over us. And it just so happened that he saw that we would plant a church. And uh, now that I think about it, we're verbal processing a bit. We're recording in a church building that we purchased. But when we moved here to Arizona, we did not know that we were going to plant. We weren't sure we were going to plant a church. We weren't sure what God had for us. We had no family or friends here. Our story was a little bit like... There was a bit of a famine in our life. There was a bit of a famine in their <laughs> life. It was a dark time. And uh, I, I flew out and I met with Pastor Jimmy Evans and said, uh, hey, I'm thinking about planting a church. And so we submitted it to our overseers as well as some other pastors that we trust and spiritual authority that we submit to. They confirmed it was the will of God. The kids were involved and on board. It was a family ministry. So I flew out and I met with Pastor Jimmy and I uh, said, hey, you know, I'm thinking of planting. He's like, okay, what are you thinking about a building? And I said, well, I'm, I'm thinking about renting a spot, you know, church planner, you start with what you can get. He's like, you're going to buy a building. It's going to seat 800. It'll be off the freeway 101, the 101 freeway in Arizona. It'll be grandfathered as a church. So you won't have to rezone it. And God's going to allow you to purchase it. You won't need to rent it. Okay. Up until that point, all we'd had was providence. Now what Jimmy's saying is a miracle's coming. Mm -hmm. So God can work through either hand. Yep. So I was like, okay, that's very specific. Call the realtor. Realtor says, yeah, that church doesn't exist, has never existed. I called Jimmy. I'm like, Jimmy, doesn't exist. He's like, it's coming, just wait. 
Um, I got a prophetic word about a miracle through a providential event where Pastor Jimmy and I just happened to be sitting in the front row of Gateway on the same day. And all of those providential things built our marriage and family. And so if we're looking and have the desire to work together in our marriages and follow God and whatever he has in front of us, no matter what that is, no matter how hard that may look, then God's providence, we we need to look for that. We need to say, okay, we're in this together. What does this look like? God's going to direct us. And every time it's it's blessed our marriage. It's grown us closer together and our kids. Most of the time, God works through providence. Once in a while, he shows up with a miracle, Mm -hmm. but he's always working. Usually it's through the invisible hand of providence, not the visible hand of miracle. Then the realtor calls and says, hey, there's a church potentially coming on the market. Long, complicated deal. Won't get into the details. Historically designated, right off the 101 in Scottsdale. I think you can get it. So we get the church building before we had a core group, people, or money. We as a family, decided, along with our overseers, it was God's provision. In God's providence, it was unable to be bought or sold prior to us arriving. In God's providence, that all lifted so that we could buy it. In God's providence, we're able to figure out how to purchase it and get a year to raise the down payment. In God's providence, the people showed up to make it all happen. In God's providence, everything that Pastor Jimmy prophesied came true. And and what's interesting is uh, we got the keys to the building and had the first informational meeting on Easter Sunday, the 50-year anniversary of the grand opening of the building. I'd pastored another church previously, transitioned the application to uh, dissolve that church into a bunch of independent campuses, was uh, hanging in limbo, um, waiting for government approval for over a year. It was filed on Good Friday in God's providence. One thing ended on Good Friday. In God's providence, we got the keys and started the new thing on Easter Sunday. Mm -hmm. We have seen God's providence so ridiculously. Mm -hmm. And then Easter Sunday came the following year, and we set up every chair in the building, and there were 793 chairs. We didn't intend to tell this story. This isn't in my notes. This is just what's on my heart, Um, and it's to give you some hope. 793 chairs, and I thought, Pastor Jimmy was very close. He said 800. Looked up in the sound booth. I kid you not, there were seven seats. We had exactly 800 seats in a historic building off the 101 that God through a series of providential circumstances miraculously provided. All that to say, as you are hearing this, you may be wondering, where's my miracle? Well, you may be in the process of providence and the miracle might be coming. Mm. And it's trusting in the providence of God over your life and in and through the details of your life that puts you in a position that when it's time for the miracle, you're in the right place at the right time to receive the miracle. And so we see this again in Ruth chapter four. Boaz has an opportunity to marry Ruth, but legally there's another guy in position and it's Mr. What's-His-Name. We never know his name. So in chapter four, verse one, behold, it just so happens Boaz is under a tight legal window to get this deal done so that Ruth is free so that she can marry him. So he runs into town trying to figure out how to get this deal done. And the first dude he bumps into is the one guy who has the legal right to make it all possible. Amazing. God's providence. Why do we ever doubt God? With a story like this, I mean, we just see over and over, he is working in and through everything. And I think in our marriages, when we get desperate, we try and grab the reins and think, oh, God must not be paying attention right now. So I'll just, 
you know, I'll take the reins for a little bit. Somebody needs to be in control, I nominate mm -hmm. me. Mm -hmm. If the husband is in control, it's a disaster. If the wife is in control, it's a disaster. If the husband and wife trust that God is in control... It can be beautiful. It can be amazing. That's the story of Ruth, mm -hmm. and that's the story of Boaz. 23 times in the four-chapter book of Ruth, God is mentioned. 21 of those times, it is a person testifying about God's providence in their life. Mm -hmm. That's awesome. And again, no miracles, but providence. And what, what we see in the story is if you understand the providence of God who is over your life, you're not trying to determine the future. You're just trying to find God. And, and you don't need to know the future. You just need to stick close to the one who does. That's where their character, their obedience, their faithfulness. They're not trying to get into the future they want. They're just trying to stick close to the God that they need. Yeah. And within that, um, this is the difference between a biography and a testimony. Our world is filled with biographies. Here's what I did, or here's what we did. A testimony is, here's who God is, and here's what God did. You don't want your marriage to be a biography about what a great husband you are or what a great wife she is. You want it to be a testimony about the great God who is over your marriage. Yeah. And having a testimony of God's providence means sometimes walking by faith through what are seemingly impossible, insurmountable seasons and circumstances. Yeah. And so... Faith is usually what we see in the windshield as we look forward. Providence is usually what we see in the rearview mirror as we look back. And so we live by faith. God, I don't know where it's going or what you're doing. We look back by sight, and it's like, oh, I see the plan. But God never gives us the plan in advance because he wants us to trust him by faith. Because if God gave us the plan, we would think we didn't need God anymore. We just need the plan. And God's all about the relationship. And so here are some of the things that happen in the book because of God's providence. Literally, the story goes from death to life. The, the story literally goes from a funeral to a wedding. It literally goes from barrenness to the birth of a baby boy who becomes the grandfather of Joseph who leads to Jesus. It goes from cursing God to blessing God, cursing from God to blessing from God. It goes from bitterness to worship, and it goes from loneliness to relationship. Everybody wants where the story ends in Ruth 4. Husband and wife, happy mother-in-law, beautiful baby, successful business, everyone is flourishing, Jesus is coming. American dream. American dream. And in the middle, hardly anyone wants to trust the providence of God through the process. And so maybe as we're winding up this big theological issue that has some really practical implications, looking at the story of Ruth, what would you encourage the women to think about when it comes to the providence of God in their life, through their pain, and in their marriage? Well, oftentimes for me, I have to start with repentance of when I try to take control and when I have taken control um, and just say, Lord, please forgive me for when I am stepping in and wanting to manipulate or control or avoid pain or try and fix things that aren't mine to fix. Um, so I start there oftentimes because um, dealing with the reality of my heart is where God can soften me and, and work in and through me. Um, and then from there, asking God to show me 
where have I missed you? Where have I missed your providence? And I need, I want to see that so I can trust you going forward. I want to, you know, maybe journal or maybe be reminded in this story of Ruth or, or really any story in the Bible, God's providence is very evident. I mean, you can look at the book of Esther as well. There's a lot of different stories that we can say, wow, I mean, God was there the whole time and they didn't know it in the midst of it oftentimes, but we can look back in those stories now. Um, and I, and I asked the Lord to show me both personally and in the Bible where I can trust his character. And, and then how do I live in faith going forward so that your providence can continue to flow in my life? Um, and I think as women, if we're willing to do that, then we don't double down on our situation or our hard circumstances. We uh, look up and are willing to see that maybe if things are hard right now, um, then we need to trust that God is going to guide us through that and that he does have our our best. Our, he loves us so dearly and he has protection. He has joy. He has love. He has um, a plan for our life. And, and if we're willing to give that over to him and trust that and then continue to seek him to what that looks like and what steps I need to personally take in that, maybe there's areas we need to change. Maybe like we've talked about before, maybe there's relationships that we need to alter in our life. Uh, maybe there's ways that we can love our husband better. Maybe there's things we need to confront in our marriage um, that we haven't yet and we've been afraid to. Um, but there's all these areas that God can reveal to us. And he's so sweet about his timing. He doesn't just dump everything all at once on us. He knows what we can handle. He knows where we are in our faith and our walk with him. And so he gives us layers that we can work on. And, and he is there for us. He doesn't just give them to us and leave us. He is there with us to walk through those. So if we're willing to see God's hand of providence, our life can look so different and we can actually experience peace in the process because we're not anxious about being in control. We get to hand that control over and say, Lord, I, I trust you, whatever this looks like going forward. And I just want to honor you too, honey, with me, uh, with the kids and with friends and even leading women's ministry at the church. When God shows up providentially, you are the one who likes to pull the emergency brake grab the flashlight, shine a light on it and say, okay, do you see that? Make note of that. Don't miss that. Pay attention to that. God showed up right there. He said something. He did something. He had you at the right place at the right time. God worked out the circumstances because for you, I think, um, you know, it's like the Old Testament. It talks about stones of remembrance. When God would do something, they'd build a little monument. Yeah. They'd stack some rocks and somebody'd walk walk by with the kids and be like, well, what's that? Oh, that's the time that God did this. Yeah. Let me tell you the story. And then as you build those sort of monuments, those stones of remembrance of God's providence, it builds your faith that God is still over your life in the faithful. present and into the future. Mm-hmm. And, and as scripture says, he is faithful even when we are faithless. Yeah. And so our, our, our walk with God is not ultimately contingent or dependent on our reliability, but, but his credibility. And so, you know, you've been really good about that in our marriage and, and, and with our kids, and it's built a faith gift in the kids, and it's helped me get, you know, healthier and out of the ditch, and so I want to honor you for that. And for the husbands and the wives, maybe this will be the final thing I'll say, and then we'll, we'll let you go. When's the last time as a couple you sat down and you didn't just make plans for your future? You didn't just talk about what's for dinner and what we're going to do this week and what we're going to do for birthdays and holidays, but you looked back. Mm-hmm. 
assume God's providence. Put that layer of biblical theological insight over your life and marriage and spend some time looking back and saying, where did God show up? Mm. What did God do? That's good. Uh, where are the evidences of his providence in our journey together? And see if that doesn't completely change your view of God and completely alter your hope for your future. We love you. We don't know what you're in, but we know who's over it. Yeah, amen. And we love you. And so if you want to study the book of Ruth more, we've got a free study guide for you. And it's a devotional for you guys that are not big readers. It's not too intense. It's it's pretty easy to access. And it'll give you some talking points with your wife because this could make a real fun date night conversation. It's, it's a lot better to look back with gratitude than to look forward with fear. And we'd encourage that as the assignment this week.